we just covered a lot of a lot of things about faith last week. I really enjoyed it. Just some misconceptions that we have about faith and kind of hit some of those. And I feel like we need to continue along those lines this week just in a different area. When we're talking about faith, you know, Hebrews 11 gives us the definition of faith. And, and we'll get there. I promise we'll get there. But I just want to keep it real simple on what, what we're talking about. We're talking about your faith. Last week we talked a lot about what you believe personally and your personal trust in God. You know, you can ride on some people's faith for a while, but eventually you've got to develop your own faith. And especially kids growing up, you know, parents do have some spiritual authority uh, when you're little, but, but we need to be developing our children's faith so that they have their own their own faith in God. So when I'm talking about faith, I'm talking about what you believe personally, what you can receive from the word of God, from the heart of God. And that only comes by hearing the word. And then we talked a lot last week about in relationship, the trust is built. The word gives us the information, but then in the relationship, the trust part of faith is built. And that trust part is really what it comes down to. Did he do that for me? Can I be healed? Can I be set free from that addiction? Can my marriage be helped? Can my mental health <laughs> be helped? And that's really what it comes down to is when we take the word of God personally. And I don't want to rehearse last Wednesday night, but I enjoyed it. Um, tonight... I feel like we need to kind of hone in on the misconception that God's sitting on the throne making a decision of yes, no, maybe, or wait a while. Anybody ever heard that one? That's a very religious cliche. You know, God's answer is always yes, no, maybe, or wait a while. Well, I think we're going to see some things in the Word tonight that, that might show us something a little bit different. And the truth is we can't, we, we've called this faith to live in. We can't live in faith if we do not know the will of God it's just hope it's just hoping God will help us hoping God will do something if you don't know what the will of God is but when you find out the will of God and you can trust that he is telling you the truth from his word faith is born and faith can be developed and faith can be grown but it can't start until you know the will of God. And there's times that we, that we can pray, Father, what is your will here? When it's not plainly stated in the word of God, then you can say, Father, I need to know your will about this job. I need to know if, if, if I'm choosing between job A and job B or college A and college B, I need to know your, I want to do your will. That's, that's great. But if it's, about healing, if it's about provision, if it's about the things that Jesus has already provided, then we've got to get to the point we don't question that. It is a fact. There, to me, I mean, I know we talk about the promises of God and, and the scripture causing the promises of God, but to me, they're the facts of God. The promises need to become facts. It's, it, there's not a question mark after them anymore. 
Uh, it's, it was settled in, in Jesus Christ, and, and we'll talk about that as we go along. So let's start off in Matthew 15, if you will. I'm reading out of the King James Version on this one. I just want to give you, this is in-depth Bible study. We're going to go to a lot of scripture on Wednesday night. If it's your first time on Wednesday nights, we just, a lot of times we use a lot of scripture because that's what we're here to do is, is to study. And I gave you this example because this one causes a lot of questions on someone not being clear if it's God's will or not. Okay? So, starting in verse 22, it says, A woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. Now, immediately that bothers us because we're like, uh, where did that come from? We know God. He's good. And his disciples came and besought him and said, send her away. She keeps crying after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, you can do a little study on this, but, but Jesus was sent to the Jews they were living under the law of Moses. He was living under the old covenant as well. And, and that's who he was sent to. After he redeemed the Gentiles, the non-believers, then the apostles went out and got us. <laughs> Jesus paid for it. He paid for us to become the seed of Abraham. Uh, we are not, you know, we don't put Jewish down on our race card but at the same time, spiritually, the scripture is very plain that Jesus, God adopted us. And now we are the seed of Abraham. Okay? So this woman was not. She was not of the children of Israel. She was considered non-covenant because she was non-covenant. She wasn't living under the old uh, covenant, the law of Moses. And so... Jesus said, I'm, I'm sent to the sheep of the house of Israel. But then she came, verse 25, and worshipped him. You know what she's saying? You're it for me, bud. It may not be in my bloodline, but uh, I need you and you're it for me. And I love this woman. Lord, help me, she said. But he answered and said, and this is going to, this just, bothers a lot of people but it is what it is it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs now we're all we're automatically offended by that right if somebody said that to you you're like mm -mm. this is just stating what I've already stated the, the Jews the, the covenant and the non-covenant did not speak kindly of each other uh, the, there was they were two separate parties if you will and Jesus is just stating what he's already stated. He's sent to the house of Israel, and she was not of the children of Israel. And he said, you don't take what was meant for the covenant and give it to the non-covenant. That's what he is saying there. And she said, truth. She knows this. They knew this. Non-covenant knew that they didn't have a right to the covenant blessings. They knew it. And she said, truth, Lord. 
Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And she's saying a lot there. One thing she's saying is, you're my master, <laughs> basically, whether I qualify or not. I mean, she's saying, yeah, I may not be covenant, but I'll take, I'll take this blessing right here. I'll take this crumb. And I find it interesting that deliverance was considered a crumb. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou will. Now, big point of the night is going to be, yes, this took a decision on Jesus' part, but it also took her faith because she was non-covenant. The covenant wasn't available to her at this point. There was a clear line between covenant and non-covenant under the old covenant. The new covenant, anybody who believes can come into the covenant through Jesus Christ. So, But this was old covenant, and that's why you see him making a decision. It's based on her faith, and he said, Be it unto thee... As you will. See the importance of us believing? And her daughter was made whole that very hour. Now, after the resurrection, everything, everything changed. We have a whole new world. Jesus Christ has come. He's taken down that wall that separated us. And he has made us one blood. Those that believe in Jesus Christ. Old covenant. Under the law, new covenant, Gentiles, he has, he has unified his family, and it, it is beautiful. But the next examples that we're going to go to, where she, this lady, had no right, but she had faith, we're going to come to, we have a right, and we have faith. She had no right, but she had faith, so it was done as she believed. Go to Matthew 9. We're just going to look at several examples right in a row, so stick with me. I know it's a Wednesday night. You might have been at work, but we're here to study, right? And uh, Tom Wilkins provided you coffee. so. And I saw a few Midtown coffee cups in the house. So some of you went and got co coffee to start with to be ready. And Mark said, Amen. Thank you, Lord, right? Matthew 9, verse 27. Jesus went on from there, and two blind men followed him. I'm reading out of the NIV. Calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And there is the big question. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. What do you think they believed? Yeah, it shows. What you believe shows. Now, don't get condemned if you haven't yet received. Because faith can be built and faith can be developed. 
we'll, we'll look at that one night, how to develop our faith. But one way to do it is to start hearing the word and start applying the word to the point where you're speaking the word, you're, you're limiting your brain, your thoughts to the word. And there's different ways to develop our faith. But these guys were ready. They believed. They said, yes, we believe. And he said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And this goes against religion. Because religion, and I, I separate Christianity from religion, okay? Christianity is living in faith. But religion will teach us to try to manipulate God into doing what we want done. Let's bombard the gates of heaven. Well, sister, let me tell you, Satan tried to bombard the gates of heaven. I don't recommend it. We don't bombard the gates of heaven to try to get God to do something. We don't have to... Ooh, I'm going there. We don't have to have a prayer chain. You may... If it's a faith chain, I'm for it. We, our, intercessor, our intercessors meet on Wednesday nights. If, you're, if you love to pray and you love to pray for people, you can see Kathy right there uh, and, and several of the intercessors. They, they meet on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock, and they, they pray for people that we give them to pray for. If you ever need prayer, you can call the church and say, hey, I want the prayer team to pray for me, and we'll do that. But I'm not going to get on social media and say, I have this going going on, please send this to everybody you know. Because I don't want a prayer chain, I want a faith chain. And there's a whole lot of religion out there that thinks that we can beg God into or earn by our goodness to get God to tilt the scale in our favor and do what we want done. That is not who God is. That is not how he functions. He looks for someone who trusts in him, who can receive what he has already provided. That's what Jesus did for us. He provided it. Now, this next one's super interesting. If you come here very long, you know these, but we have so many new people, and to hear it again, right? Um, Mark chapter 5. You just have to love this one. Because it's, it's just super interesting. I encourage you to, of course, we love the study of the Old Testament because it points us to Jesus. It's all written about him. But I love the Gospels where we get to watch Jesus. We get a lot. Of, if you ever wonder what the will of God is, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because what you see Jesus do is the will of God. And if you ever wonder, does God do bad things to people? Did God send bad things to people? Does God tell people, no, he will not heal them? Then go look at Jesus because he walked in the perfect will of God. The scripture says he was the express image, the exact imprint of the Father. And if we want to see the Father, you remember what he told Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How many times do you see a, a sick person or a, a demonic person come up to Jesus and ask for deliverance and him say, no, wait a while. Him say, no, uh, 
your sins are too great. He doesn't even say, wait. Why? Because he, he is the promise that's fixing to be fulfilled. It, it's, it's in his nature. It's, it's in who he was. And so this one's great because in verse 24, uh, Jesus was going with uh, the man to heal his daughter. And it says a lot of people were following him. I'm reading out of the King James Version. And thronged him. I mean, you know, you've been in one of those crowds after a game or something where you just feel like there's just people in your bubble. And a certain woman had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but she kept growing worse. When she had heard of Jesus, guess what came? Faith. How do we know that? We, can, we know that faith came because of what she did, right? What she said and what she did. So when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I will be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and he said, Who touched my clothes faith drew power Kyle from Jesus he felt that virtue that power that anointing go out from him he turns around to this crowd that's pressing all around him and he says I want to know who made this withdrawal and it wasn't with an angry face I guarantee you he was happy about it who touched my clothes? His disciples said, you see everybody thronging you. And you say, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus did not make the decision to heal her. She was healed when she touched the hem of his garment. And he turned around to see who drew that anointing from him because I'm telling you, that thrills a healer. He's a healer. And when he feels somebody pull through faith, that power from him and she felt in her body that she had been healed of that plague. He turned around to see it. He didn't decide. He, wasn't, he didn't stop and say, Father, if it's your will, heal this woman. She was healed before he turned. The yes was already in him. You hear me, church? The yes is already in him. The yes was already in him. The yes is already in him. If it's, if it's stated in the word. And you know what? Even before he went to the cross, Eric, it was stated in the scrolls about the healing that was in him. So he hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't paid the price yet. He was healing on 
on the promise that he would. And so you can go back in your study and read Isaiah 53, 4, 5, and 6 of the prophecy about who this Jesus would be and the healing that would come from his stripes. So the yes, Isaiah 53 was in him. So the yes was already in him. Malachi 8, 2, that he would, the son of righteousness would rise up with healing in his wings. And that we would go forth like calves from a stall. That doesn't mean feeble. If you ever led a horse or a calf out of a stall when they've been locked up in it, it's a happy dance. It's happy feet. And he said, the son of righteousness rise with healing in his wings. And that's how we would be because of the healer. That, Malachi, was, was prophesied before Jesus was born onto the planet Earth. That was in him. That yes was in him. And you can go to Isaiah 35, 4, 5, and 6, interestingly enough. And you can read about how the, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk again. That was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. And that was in Jesus. And she drew from that promise that was in him. So it had to be yes, because that is the word that made him. It was the word that made him. So she drew from that. Also, Isaiah 61, which most of, most of us are familiar with, that he would heal the brokenhearted, that he would set the captives free, that, that he went back over in, when he read it in the book of Luke himself. Man, he was displaying the yes of God. That's what Jesus did. He displayed for us the yes of God. Yet we have a world of people that are begging him to do something that he's already done. Now, if it's, if it's a situation or a circumstance that he's having to work out in your life, then it's not always an instant fix but if it's for your good, it is an instant yes. It doesn't mean the yes isn't there. But you know, if I go out and create a situation in my life and it, it circum causes circumstances in my life, those things have to be worked out. But his favor on my repentance or my willingness to be obedient to what he's telling me to do, his favor on me is a yes towards me even though it has to be worked out. In the natural, some things have to be worked out. If I was, if I was 15 and I got pregnant, I'm going to have a baby, right? I'm putting that way in the past. Because Sarah, I am not, okay? Don't want to be, so I'm going to put it in the past. If I was 15 and I got pregnant, there is a circumstance created by my actions. It doesn't mean God's against me. It just means now he has to help me work through these circumstances. He can still be my provider. He can still be my redemption. He can be my forgiveness. He can be my righteousness. He can be all these things. But sometimes there's going to be a baby, and that baby is going to need its diaper changed. And God will have to help through that. If I was 15, God would have to help me through that you see what I'm saying but it's still a yes 
I'll help you. Let me help you. You got yourself in, in this situation, but let me help you. It's still a yes. Why? He loves us. And if we need correction, he'll correct us. Why? Because he loves us. Not because he's angry with us, but because he loves us. So it's still a yes. I've seen his favor on me when I was wrong. To help me turn my wrongs. To see him put a crown on my head at the end of the day. What a good God. I don't want the religious one. I want the real one. Go with me to Mark 10. Or I'm going to get real long-winded if I get off on those subjects. This is the last one, I think, on the your faith has made you whole part. Mark 10, verse 46. And y'all may have some more examples of this, but just want to drive it home. Verse 46, reading out of the NIV. Then they came to Jericho. Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, and a blind man named Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You think he had heard of Jesus? You think faith came? Yes. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. It's like, get him over here. This man's going to sit over here and have faith enough to call on my name. Get him up here. And so they called to the blind man and they said, Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you and throwing his cloak aside. Whew. See, they wore a beggar's garment that identified them. And he knew when Jesus called him, his identity wasn't what it used to be. He wasn't labeled anymore. His faith threw that off. I'm telling you, if you've got a label stuck on you, Jesus has got a new one for you. But you can't wear his and that old one at the same time. So off with it. Off with it. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you up. He's calling you out. Throwing the cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. He came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I just always found that interesting. You know, <laughs> Jesus, you know, beggar's garment, I'm blind. What do you want me to do? Because, you know, some people won't even ask what they truly need. And so Jesus wants to know, what is it you're pulling from me? What, what is it you need from me? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see and Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. Isn't that interesting? Your faith has healed you. You pulled the healing out of me. You, you drew 
what is in me? Jesus, man, that had to excite him. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Different man. If we're going to have a faith that we can live in, we have to lose the mentality that we earn God's will. That we change God's will. Or that we must talk God into doing something for us. we got to learn the heart of God. We've got to know the heart of God. And that's what we really focused on last week. We've got to trust God. He's not a man that he should lie. We try to manipulate him like we manipulate each other. And, and that's just, he is truth. He's not changing. Prayer never changes God's heart. Never changes God's heart. Now, if we change, sometimes it opens up another area that God can, can do things in. I, I think about the guy that, you know, God came to him and said, get ready, get your house in order, you're fixing to die. And that guy prayed and God gave him more years. But it didn't change God's heart. The guy changed and that made it God able to do more in the guy's life. God didn't change. God didn't change. God's not going to change. His heart is toward you for wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. And if he can help you do that, nothing thrills the Father more. We've got to know the will of God, the word of God to us personally. If we don't take it personally, we're never going to live in faith. We'll always exempt ourselves. We'll always find a way why. What's written is not about us, not for us. The man that came to Jesus in Matthew 8, it's Matthew 8 1, and he comes to Jesus and he's got leprosy. And he's heard of Jesus and he, he, he kneels before Jesus and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And this is where a lot of Religion is. I know God can, but I don't know if he will for me. we got to get it settled. He did for you. <laughs> he did. He, he already did. And so he comes to Jesus. He says, Lord, I know you can. I know that you can. I know you're, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And that's why people are begging God. And they're trying to be good enough because they know he can. But will he? It can't be faith until you know. And Jesus, whew, this guy had leprosy. You don't touch a leper. In fact, when you see him coming, you start, you start hollering out, unclean, unclean. Why? Because under the old covenant, if the unclean touched the clean, the clean became unclean, but in the new covenant. When, I can do this because she's my friend and she knows I'm not calling her unclean. Well, how about I be unclean? When the unclean touches the clean, the unclean becomes clean. That's the new stuff. That's the good stuff. And so Jesus reaches over and touches the leper. I was oh that was that was against go go read go read the old testament. That was against everything. 
because Jesus should have been unclean at that point. Mm -mm. Welcome to the new world under Jesus Christ. And he touched the man and he said, I am willing. You know what he's saying? The I am is willing. I am willing. That's all the guy needed. That's all his faith needed was that question answered. Are you willing? I know you can. Are you willing? It's all he needed. And that's all people out there in the world need. If they, if they know God can, all they need is to know he's willing. He's willing. And Jesus said, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Man, the truth is, it's past tense for us now. It's not will he, it's did he. Jesus is not doing anything else. He sat down, meaning finished at the right hand of the Father God. He's not having to heal you. He provided healing for you. You reach out to receive that by using your faith, by believing, by trusting that what he said was true. What if it doesn't look like it's true? You believe. <laughs> what if it doesn't look like it's working? You believe. We stand. We trust. We believe. Second mm, Corinthians, we'll see if we can get this one in. Second Corinthians 1.19 is so beautiful. I'm going to read it to you out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. And when I use a different version, for those of you who are new, sometimes it just kind of takes the these and thous out and makes it a little, little easier to get what they're saying. But just please, when you're reading another version, always make sure it lines up with the truth of God, the M.O. of God, if you will, God's character. Because sometimes versions can get a little off, and we, we want to caution you about that. But, you know, it wasn't written in the King James Version originally either. So unless you can read Greek and Hebrew, you're... You're depending on a translator, right? It says for, this is 2 Corinthians 1.19. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He's the one that we've preached to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled. What? See, I think we get hung up on this promise thing, Mark. And we see a promise as something that hasn't happened. It's happened. I, I get it. I get it that it's still called a But it's been fulfilled. It just has to be fulfilled in me. Let me read that again. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Anything God promised in here was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He fulfilled it. He paid for it. He provided it with a resounding. That wasn't a very resounding yes, church. We're going to have to work on the choir here. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So God said yes. Lindsay, in Jesus Christ. Your response to his yes to you is yes. 
And when your yes and his yes meet, boom. Amen, if you look it up, I mean, they say it says yes, and it does. It it literally means so be it. So God says this to you in his word, and you say, so be it. Or sometimes I say, let it be. Let it be. He's got a resounding yes. We should have a resounding yes. And then we've got faith. Does time take place sometimes? Sometimes. But he doesn't waver back and forth with yes and no. We better not waver back and forth with yes and no. Because it's got to be yes and yes. Yes and yes. God has decided. The, the, the proof of his decision, the proof of his yes was in Jesus Christ. And, and faith is my agreement with what he said. And doubt is my argument with what he said. It's my skepticism of what he said. It's my, my opt out for myself of what he said. But faith is my agreement with what he said. That's why our words are so important. That our words agree with what he said. Until it comes from our heart that I just can't see myself the way the enemy says I am. Until I can't see myself the way somebody else says I am. But that I can only see myself the way he says I am. That's our goal. That's our goal. That takes some work. Takes some work. And we'll end there, and next week we'll start up, I think, with faith can grow and be developed. But it starts with this, knowing the will of God. Faith works. And it's not a denomination. It's not a movement. Uh, It is how we live. The just shall live by faith. And we're going to end with that. (laughs) all right let's pray out father we thank you for this time together and we thank you for your word and we thank you that faith was built here tonight Uh, faith was developed further it progressed further tonight we thank you for reminding us that you are the healer you are the God who heals and that you have already said yes not just in the form of healing but father you gave us everything that pertains to life and godliness you said And it was through these precious promises, through our knowledge of them. If we don't have knowledge of them, we can't have faith for them. But we're going to look and we're going to build faith and trust in our relationship with you. And we will not settle for less than what you've already paid for. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. Amen.